Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is to see everyone attend church and hear from God daily through His Word. The Bible reveals God's responses to various situations, and through daily devotions, we can reshape our thought patterns, transform our minds, and become more Christ-like. Join us here every Monday through Friday as different pastors and leaders from Fusion Church provide insightful devotions and teachings based on the day's scripture. For the current SOAP reading plan, visit fusionchurch.cc SOAP and join us as we deepen our understanding and relationship with God. This is a crazy story, <laughs> but it's cool. It's a cool. So we're if you got your paper Bibles with you, uh, flip on over to Daniel 4. If you got digital Bibles, click on over to Daniel 4. <laughs> and so that's where we're going to be today uh, as we uh, wake up this morning, as we get ourselves going. Uh, Daniel 4, day 4 of the Daniel fast. Man. And I've got my very wonderful tasting water right now. It's 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 water, Nicole. I promise. <laughs> Accountability, right? <laughs> All right, Daniel chapter four. That's where we're at today. Um, this is a really this is a pretty interesting story, and there's some history uh, involved in this because did this really happen? Um, and so we can actually talk about that uh, a little bit um, as well as we get into all of this. If you've read ahead, you know what I'm talking about. If you have not, uh, let's get into it. Um, we've got uh, another minute or so to allow people to join on, and then we hit six o'clock uh, and we'll be good to go. Um I hope you guys are doing well. Uh, hey, honestly, if you have any prayers during this Daniel fast, or maybe you're not fasting, doesn't matter. If you have prayers at all for whatever is going on in your life, uh, uh, prayer at fusionchurch.cc. Uh, email those in. We would uh, we'd love to pray over those. We love seeing that uh, that not only. Yeah, a lot of the prayers are, hey, I have a need or I have a medical issue or whatever the case may be. Um, and that's not what we're excited for. But we're excited for is that people are trusting God, that people are saying that I'm sending my prayers in because I believed in the power of prayer and I believe in God's hand uh, to be able to do supernatural things in our natural. Amen. And so that's why I love prayer uh, is the faith that it takes. Uh, to do that. So if you have any prayer needs, go ahead and submit those in at all. Um, again, here we are. Good morning. It is six o'clock. We are ready to go. We are journeying through Daniel chapter four today. And so uh, if you have your paper Bibles, go ahead and flip to that. If you're digital, click to that. Uh, and we're going to pray and then we're going to get into the word today. Um, and it's day four of the Daniel fast as well. Um, so guess what? Smooth sailing from here on out. The caffeine headaches are over. It's just uh, it's it's banana and salad for the rest of the time. And let's go. <laughs> so uh, but let's pray and let's dive into Daniel chapter four. Uh, Father, we would just come to you this morning um, as uh, as a church. We are uh, praying and fasting for you, not uh, to twist your arm, but to uh, realign ourselves even more to what your will is, Lord. So we we pray for revelation. We pray for 
uh, understanding. We pray for your word to illuminate us and to teach us and guide us today. I surrender myself to you that this be your word and not my own. Uh, Lord, teach me as you teach all of us this morning and on this podcast. Uh, Lord, we love you and we pray all this in your mighty uh, magical name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, here we go. So Daniel chapter 4. Um, so there's some history to this and there's some craziness as the way it reads. It reads pretty funny because it's as if Nebuchadnezzar is writing it himself. And actually, there's a lot of evidence that he probably did uh, when we go through this, because it's very in first person. It's as if I'm writing a letter to Daniel himself. And so there's uh, and Daniel was um, uh Daniel was a guy that was very high up in Nebuchadnezzar's court. And so it's very possible that this majority of this portion was written by Nebuchadnezzar himself. Uh, Verses 1 through 18 and then skips down to verses 34 through 37. Uh, And then in the middle there is probably Daniel inserting more detail into the story uh, to bring more context to what is going on. Um, and so as we read that, kind of notice that writing style uh, that's going on uh, in, in this. Um, all right. I'm reading out of the ESV today. Um, verse one, King Nebuchadnezzar to all peoples, nations and languages that dwell in all the earth. Uh, peace be multiplied to you. It has seemed good to me to show the signs and wonders that the most high God has done for me. Uh, How great are his signs, how mighty his works. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion endures from generation to generation. Verse four, I, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, was at ease in my house and, and prospering in my place. I saw a dream that made me afraid. As I lay in bed, the uh, fancies and the visions of my head alarmed me. So I made a decree that all the wise men of Babylon should be brought before me, uh, that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Then the magicians, the enchanters, the Chaldeans, and the astrologers came in, and I told them the dream, but they could not make known to me the interpretation. At last, Daniel came in before me, who was named Belteshazzar, after the name of my God, and and, in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. I told him the dream, saying, O Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you, that no mystery is too difficult for you. Tell me the visions uh, of my dream that I saw and their interpretation. The visions uh, of my head as I lay in the bed were these. I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth and its height uh, was great. The tree grew and became strong and its top reached into heavens and it was invisible to the end of the whole earth. Its leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant and in it was food for all. The beast of the field found shade under it, and the birds of the heavens lived in the in its branches, and all the flesh um, was fed from it. I saw in the visions of my head as I lay in bed, and behold, a watcher, a holy one, came down from heaven. He proclaimed aloud and said thus, 
chop down the tree and lob off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beasts uh, flee from under it and the birds from its branches, but leave the stump of its roots in the earth bound with a band of iron and bronze amid the tender grass of the field. Let him be wet with the dew of heaven. Let his portion be with the beasts in the grass of the earth. Let his mind be changed from a man's and let a beast's mind be given to him. And let seven periods of time pass over him. The sentence is by the decree of the watchers. Uh, The decision by the word of the holy ones to the end of the living uh, may know that the most high rules the kingdom of men and gives to whom he will and sets over it the lowliest of men. This dream I, Nebuchadnezzar, saw. And you, O Belteshazzar, tell me the interpretation, because all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation. But you are able, for the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Verse 19. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, uh, was dismayed for a while and his thoughts alarmed him. Note that. <laughs> All right. The king's uh, the king answered and said, Belteshazzar, uh, let not the dream or the interpretation alarm you. Belteshazzar uh, answered and said, my Lord, may the dream be for those who hate you and its interpretation for your enemies. The tree you saw, which grew and became strong so that its uh, top reached to the heavens and it was visible to the end of the whole earth, whose leaves were beautiful and fruit abundant, and which was food for all under which beasts of the field found shade and in whose branches the birds of the heavens lived. It is you, O king, who have grown and become strong. Your greatness has grown and reaches unto heaven and your dominion to the ends of the earth. And because the king saw a watcher, a holy one, come down from heaven, saying, chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump of its roots in the earth, bound with a uh, band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field, and let him be wet uh, with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beasts of the field till uh, seven periods of time pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king. It is a decree of the Most High, uh, which has come upon my Lord, the King, that you uh, shall be driven from among men and your dwelling shall be with the beast of the field. You shall be made uh, to eat grass like an ox and you shall be wet with the dew of heaven. Uh, And seven periods of time shall pass over you till you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. And as it was commanded to leave the stump of the roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be confirmed for you for the time that you know that heaven's rules. Therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed that uh, there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. Verse 28, all this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, uh, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, and the king answered and said, is this not great Babylon, which I 
built by my mighty power as a royal uh, residence for the glory of my majesty, which the words were still in the king's mouth. Uh, there fell a voice from heaven. O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you and you shall be driven from among men and your dwelling shall be with the beast of the field and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox and seven periods of time shall pass over you until you know that the most high rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. Immediately the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men and ate grass like an ox and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair grew as long as eagle's feathers and his nails were like bird's claws. Verse 34, at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my reason returned to me and I blessed the most high and praised and honored him who lives forever for his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the most, or among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay, uh, and none can stay his hand or say to him, "What have you done?" At the same time, my reason returned to me for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me, my counselors and my lords. Uh, sought me and I was established in my kingdom and still more greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt uh, and honor the kingdom of uh, the king of heaven for all his works are right and his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble the word of the Lord. All right. This is a wild, long story. Um, you know, of King Nebuchadnezzar and him writing a lot of it himself, uh, basically talking about how he was humbled, seriously humbled, right? Seriously humbled on, um, you know, him thinking of himself the entire time. You know, that this a lot of this came uh, after Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego from uh, last chapter. Uh, he's He's not... Un, he's not like completely not understanding of who God is and his power. Um, but there still seems to be this whole level of arrogance and pride that just gets in the way of him consistently uh, and to the point where God has to humble him. Uh, and that is ultimately the primary uh, thing out of this whole chapter today is are we humbling ourselves or is God going to humble us? It's one of the two. And I personally would highly recommend that we humble ourselves because the way God does it is not pretty. Uh, and I'm sure many of us have either been in that position already at some point in our lives that we've been humbled uh, in one way or another, or we've seen other people like on the downfall that get humbled in their life. And it's not a pretty sight to watch. Um, and here, this is interesting because there's this whole idea of uh, that he's a tree. Um, he has all of his magicians and chanters and uh, the Chaldeans and the astrologers, uh, a certain 
um, translation say the soothsayers. They're just basically astrologers. So that's why the ESV says it that way. Um, he has all of them coming in and they can't interpret uh, this at all. And probably the reality is this is kind of a clear vision. This is not overly weird or overly like uh, having to put too much thought into it. It's this great tree that can do so much and has so much influence and power and, and fruit of it. Um, but it's thinking of itself instead of anything else. And it gets chopped down uh, by heaven. So clearly this is a, a, a vision of a great and mighty tree that's getting humbled real quick. And so there's not a lot of Daniel's not like, mm, let me go pray on this. He's like, nah, man, I, I can clearly tell what this is. Uh, and it's so I would dare say that all of the kings, magicians, enchanters, uh, the Chaldeans and the uh, astrologers, they just they're too scared to tell King Neb a, the truth of what this is all about. Um, and uh, one, if you have the if you see where it says the Chaldeans, uh, if we remember back to Daniel three. Uh, in verse eight there, the Chaldeans came against all who they are. They're kind of like, uh, and this is just a little understanding. They're kind of like the, uh, the important who's who of Babylon, if you will. They're also kind of new age spiritualists, which that would really be this whole group. If we put it in more common terms uh, of today, they're all your new age spiritualists. They came with their, their rocks and their Ouija boards and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and trying to figure out things for him. And uh, they didn't need to do all that. They're just too scared to tell him what's up. Um, but again, pointless, right? Um, at last, Daniel came in before me. And so Daniel, uh, and I love how Nebuchadnezzar describes him. This just shows that, you know, he's he knows of God, but he doesn't, he's not like educated on God, right? And he says he's, uh, D Daniel uh, has the spirit of the holy gods in him, um, which, of course, if Nebuchadnezzar was a little bit more uh, Bible literate, if you will, in those days, uh, it, he would just understand that it's the Holy Spirit, right? It's one God. There is only one God. Uh, and this is partially where uh, Nebuchadnezzar gets tripped up with his own culture and his uh, and his outside uh, thinking is that. He's the most high God of like, but still potentially a whole bunch of other gods. And it's guess what? All those gods are fake and they're not real. They're not doing anything for you. <laughs> um, they're all man-made. You made them yourself, King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, out of your own pride many, many times. And so there's this idea of, man, let's let's get with the program. And still, he's just kind of like this, this, uh, this arrogance, but he's trying to um, also love on Daniel uh, by recognizing that there's something special about him. That's the ultimate thing here is he just, he knows Daniel, there's an anointing. There's something special about him that, uh, that um, the true spirit of God is on him. Uh, and so Daniel has the, this capability. So we see this whole idea of a tree uh, in here, this idea that, and this is not new. Uh, a lot of prophets uh, use the semblance of a tree or have visions of trees. And this usually gets depicted towards great men, leaders, or royalty. 
um, of how great they've grown. Uh, we love the sight of a big tree, right? Uh, we still get amazed by it. Like if you can go to California with the big redwood trees and there's that one you can drive a car through the middle of it on how amazing uh, huge and uh, uh, trees are. Uh, we love a, a beautiful, big, nice, full tree in a neighborhood. It just looks pretty. Um, you know, all of these things like trees are amazing, uh, but there's this level of but do trees grow under their own strength or is it nurturing and being fed by uh, all of the elements around it that is feet that is getting fed to uh, do trees get to choose the things that they do? No. And there's, do they, does an apple tree get to choose one day and go, oh, I'm going to produce oranges? No, it, it does what it's commanded to do. And so there's this whole understanding of why the semblance of a tree is to understand that, yes, a tree can grow huge and mighty and strong and produce fruit and do all these amazing things. But this none of this happens without God's will. That God is the ultimate one in control, that the tree doesn't grow on its own will or its own power. Uh, the tree is a product of God's will, God's power, God's creation, God's majesty, uh, you know. And so that's what we're saying is that God is the one who raises up those that are going to be huge, beautiful, grand trees and some that are not so grand, right? God is the one that depicts these things. God is the one that uh, gets to pick uh, these things is what I mean. And uh, so that there's this level of when we think we're this mighty, grand, wonderful tree, guess what? We need to realize who the real farmer is, if you will, who the real planter is of these trees. And it's God himself. Everything was created by God. And I've said this uh, many times that uh, do we realize that in every breath we take, we're on life support. We cannot create our own oxygen. We cannot create some of the things that we have to have to live literally second to second every day. Uh, and that these things are naturally around us because God is sustaining the environment around us and has set up the system of creation to give us breath in our lungs and give us life. Like it, it, we are completely on life support because of God. And so there's this idea of um, who do we think we are to a certain point? Where does this pride come from? And we see that it comes from the enemy. It comes from this whole idea that we're so great. And sometimes it even comes from ourselves and thinking, uh, look at what I've done. And it's guess what? Where did you get that ability from? Maybe you learned it. But the ultimate end game of where did that come from? is God. And so there's got to be this realization of who we are, where we stand, and how great God really is. And there's so, I mean, we can go down a whole rabbit hole of so many other different things of uh, that. A lot of this points to that, yes, there is a real, true creator of everything around us, uh, and we can get into a lot of apologetics about that. But there's this whole understanding of, guess what? We didn't do it alone. We didn't do it by ourselves. 
And to think that we did, uh, we're really, really ultimately fooling ourselves with the blindness of pride. And so don't let that happen to you. Don't let pride on what I've created, what I've built, um, and maybe even in small doses, because none of us are kings of Babylon right now. None of us are, um, unless like the king of Babylon or whoever it is in charge of um, Iraq right now (laughs) is listening to this. But guess what? None of us, none of this was built. We didn't build anything on our own. Uh, we were brought up and God was a, very much a part of everything that we've done, uh, whether you believe it or not. And it's true. Even for non-believers, this is still true in your life, but you just didn't realize it. You just didn't know it and you just didn't want to recognize it for its fullness. But it's kind of like that. Hey, um, if I can't see the tree outside, is the tree really there? Yes, it really is. Uh, if I didn't recognize that God is there, does that not make God there? No, he's still there. The truth is the truth. And there's, I'm sorry to tell you, there is a, a very a solid level of truth in the world, um, which is very contrary to a lot of thoughts these days. We see this story of that uh, Nebuchadnezzar gets brought down to the point where so he kind of uh, takes this on and he goes, "Okay, well, that's that's an interesting dream. Uh, And guess what? It doesn't come to pass immediately. Uh, It doesn't come to pass like right then that uh, this is done to him. Um, Daniel then tells him, like, hey, I wish this was you or I wish that this was your enemies, king. I wish that uh, this wasn't going to be happening to you. Uh, Daniel actually has like, he's kind of alarmed and he's also taken back. He doesn't want to tell King Nebuchadnezzar that this is about you, dude. Um, you know, even, even the king himself can tell that this is bothering Daniel. Like Daniel gets it. He already knows it immediately when he's told it. And he's just like, oh, man, uh, there's Daniel's kind of got a soft spot for King Nebuchadnezzar, which is kind of funny. You know, there's a soft spot for him. Um, and and that's OK. You know, we can look at all of the maybe somewhat evil things that King Nebuchadnezzar's done. And um, part of that is the whole sacking Jerusalem and, and the and Jews and all of them are now enslaved at Babylon and all that through the exile and, and a lot of this. And there's just this, man, we can just look at him as an evil guy, but Daniel sees him for who he is as a human and that we all have good and bad traits. Uh, and so there's a level of like this human, human soft side that Daniel has for him. Uh, and it can be both it's Daniel say was dismayed for a while. Verse 19, that is, um, who's that Daniel was dismayed for a while and his thoughts alarmed him. Uh, the king answered, and this is where the king can tell himself, let not the dream of your interpretation alarm you. There's a, he can tell that it's bothering him. He can tell that this is not good. This is not something that he wants to have to convey. Um, but it's being conveyed anyway. And it says that it is you. Um, you know, we see that this this is not the only time that even in 
uh, Psalm 37, verse five, it says that I have seen the wicked in great power and spread him uh, himself like a native green tree. And this is part of where, you know, Daniel's just like understanding this whole idea of, oh, this isn't good. This is a great and mighty tree that does all this stuff. But then from heaven comes down the axe. And he says, it's you, O king, you have grown to become strong. Your greatness has grown and reached the heavens um, and your dominion to the ends of the earth. And because the king saw a watcher, a holy one, come down from heaven saying, chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump of its roots in the earth bound with a band of iron and bronze <laughs> in the tender grass uh, in the tender grass of the field and let him be wet with the dew of heaven and let his portion be with the beasts of the field till seven periods of time pass over, which basically means seven years of time. Now here's the interesting part. Did this happen? And this is probably a story that some of us are like, wait, some m- amazing, huge, well-known, uh, ancient king did he just go mad for seven year time period and guess what there's actual written evidence that this happened um now there's some interesting kind of qualms to this and i'll be very transparent with how historians kind of look at this uh is that there is what's known as the prayer of nabonius uh nabon edius or something like that um And it was actually fragments of this were found in the Dead Sea Scrolls uh, in Qumran that were found. Um, Huge archaeological find, the Dead Sea Scrolls. And so part of it, uh, it says, I was afflicted with an evil ulcer for seven years and an exorcist pardoned my sins. He was a Jew from among the children of the exile of Judah. And he said, recount this in writing to glorify and exalt the name of the most high God. Now, it was a portion, right, of writing uh, that was found. And it's archaeological evidence uh, points to that this is in that general overall time period. However, um, they're attributing it to a different king than uh, Nicod- than um, Nebuchadnezzar. They're saying that it, that uh, Nabonius, uh, he was a king about 20 years after uh, Nebuchadnezzar. And, but this basically the whole idea that this guy went crazy, um, that this was his prayer. And then there's also other um archaeological writings that said that yes there is a king that went crazy uh but then had to get um told he went crazy for a number of years here it said seven which really lines up even more so uh and it just saying that hey this guy this jewish guy had to come and tell him like hey man you need to lay down your pride uh and completely exalt and give praise and honor and glory to God for everything that uh he's done in your life or you're going to stay in this state uh of being crazy uh is basically what some of these writings have said and so this very much parallels with the story here uh just for some reason now I'm not I'm not an expert on this at all but I'm not seeing in any of the writings itself saying either I king Nebuchadnezzar nor does it even say this guy, this other king, uh, Nabonius, or whatever. So, um, 
why they're attributing it to a different king than Nebuchadnezzar, why, uh, why that I have not seen exactly why, um, but I'm just saying that it's out there. Uh, and so, but it does give credence, it does give evidence that this story very much has uh, a, a very solid foundation of being true. That uh, that basically a king of Babylon from uh, a very high uh, priestly like diviner is what one of the words that they use, a diviner from uh, the nation of Israel, uh, from the exiles of Judah that came and told him uh, that, hey, man, you need to lay down your pride ultimately. And that this being very true and very like shown in other archaeological evidences is even more credence to guess what the word of god is true okay it's even more so just showing how much like we can't discard some of these as being uh just great tales to give us a life lesson that guess what god really does these things god really will humble you in very strange and very painful ways in some uh, ways uh, to get you to understand who he really is. And many of us, we just want to say it's just bad luck on our life or it's just uh, bad timing or circumstance or somebody was out to get me or, well, you know, we want to attribute it to all of these other things. Um, but sometimes guess what? It's God trying to humble you. It's God trying to say, slow down. Where, what are you thinking? Do you not realize that I'm real and I'm here? But on the flip side, if we also look at this and say, guess what? He didn't kill him. Nebuchadnezzar didn't die. And this is one of the great things that it says that, you know, his, um, that his grace and mercy is there for those, uh, for those that humble themselves. We see this in 1 Peter 5. Uh, through seven in one Peter uh, one Peter chapter five verses five through seven it says likewise you younger people submit yourselves to your elders yes all of you be uh, submissive to one another and be clothed with humility for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. We got to understand that this is a fatherly act to humble him. This is not a, uh, this is not something evil or vindictive or anything. This is a, you're going down a path that's going to hurt you really bad. And it's better if I intervene and humble you because I'm a father who cares for you. I'm a father who cares for you. And guess what? Even though you're not Jewish, ultimately, I care for you. I care for all my people. That was the whole point of Israel in itself being the selected nation, that they were to be the light to the rest of the world. It says that in the Old Testament. And then, of course, that's our calling as Christians today is to be the light to the entire world of the truth of a loving God who cares for you. But don't let pride get in the way. Don't let arrogance fool you and trip you up in life. Don't let these things 
that sometimes we even our culture says is good. You should have pride in yourself. And yes, there's a level that you should take care of yourself. You should have some level of understanding that you are worth like taking being taken care of uh, and having certain things like that. But there's a level of, to where you can break that ice and go to another level uh, into a point where this is dangerous and it's not good for you where you think you're better than other people, where you think you're better than everything else, where you think everything is because of your mighty hand and not of God's favor in your life. And this is one of those things that we need to make sure that we, we have a, we take that humble pill, right? We take that at that azimuth check of where is our head aligned? Is it aligned towards ourselves or is it aligned towards God? And so as we're in this Daniel fast right now, uh, as I come to a close, that we're in this Daniel fast. And as we're fasting, and maybe maybe you haven't started fasting, maybe that fasting is something new and foreign to you, but I would dare say, try it out. Give up something uh, for the next couple of weeks and, and just realize that, hey, it's not about me. It's not about what I want, that ultimately God is the one in control that God is the my creator, that God is the one who's there that created all that is around me and myself. But guess what? He's not just a absent creator, but he is a loving father that is there for you, that cares for you. And that's so much so after all of this, we see in our New Testament that he sent his only son to die for you, that he would take upon your sin, including your pride, And that you can have a loving, vibrant, wonderful relationship with your heavenly father. And so as we close today, uh, I pray that uh, this has kind of woken us up a little bit, given us an azimuth check for the rest of our Daniel fast here. And for all of you else out there, I pray that uh, this has given you something in your tool bag for today and to go forward with a deeper relationship with our Lord. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word today. We thank you for what you've uh, done. We thank you for this amazing story that even we have evidence to show that uh, this this happened uh, in some respect. And that, Lord, we just pray that uh, we just pray that you show us where uh, we need to let go of pride in our life, where we need to let go of arrogance in our life, uh, where we need to praise you more and thank you more. Uh, Lord, may we come with a spirit of gratitude. Uh, and, and not of self-pride and arrogance. Uh, Lord, I just pray that uh, a blessing over everybody uh, listening to this, uh, no matter what time, and that you uh, be with us, uh, grow us stronger in a relationship with you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Have a beautiful day. See you all later. Take care. God bless and see you Sunday.